live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, not necessarily, and that may be something that you want to get offended by. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner today. Jeff taking a little time off. It is the holidays, you know, so I will be in for Jeff uh, for the next few days, which is very, very exciting uh, for me and hopefully for you as well. Big show. You know the number. 855-616-1620 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, the show always more fun when you get involved. If you do call in, Kyle will answer the phone. He's the executive producer of the big broadcast. You're nice to him. You get to me. That's how it works. Uh, We're going to uh, cover a lot of things. And before the show is over, I will make sure that I cement in Kyle's head just how old I actually am and how young he actually is because I mentioned a segment that we're going to do toward the end of the show and he looked at me like a dog looking at a fan. He had, And this is something that I've heard of. It's a Christmas tradition around my house and um, he looked at me like he had, uh, you know, like I had just walked down a mountain holding this suggestion carved in stone. So we will uh, we'll see how that works out. Should be a good time. All right, let's start out with this, because uh, this, this happened last week. Former President Obama said that uh, if women, quote, if women were put in charge, there would be less war, kids would be better taken care of, and there would be a general improvement in living standards and outcomes. I'm going to agree with this, but the problem I find is that feminism's been around for a few decades. So what's taking us so long? What is it, what is it that is keeping us from having women in charge. I don't I don't understand. There's some countries that do. Well, there is some science. Science always backs up these thoughts. But I want to know what you think. Why do you think that there aren't more women in charge? See if your opinion backs up the science. And also, if you agree with the, the former president's statement or not. So there's uh, researchers went on to uh, to talk to a lot of people, and they tried to figure out why women weren't in charge. And if they were, would they fulfill uh, President Obama's thesis that we, you know, there would be a general improvement? Now, I know a lot of houses, my house included, um, my wife handles a lot of stuff, which is great because it gets done. If she didn't handle, you know, I hand over all my paychecks, she handles the money. I know what's going on, but she takes care of it. She deals with uh, some things that uh, that I just, either I don't want to deal with, I have no interest in dealing with, or I'm incapable and not qualified to deal with. So in a lot of houses, maybe yours included, uh, women are already in charge, and maybe you find that, you know, in in our small microcosm, there is a general improvement in the living standard and outcomes. Because sometimes guys will get to, you know, they'll get their uh, hackles on. Uh, you know what? I'm taking charge of everything. How's that work out for you, fellas? Does it go, does it go pretty easily? Or are you like, uh, honey? Then you have to go back hat in hand with your tail between your legs. All the cliches about guys trying to uh, apologize. 
and go, well, um, you know what? On second thought, it's not that I can't do it. It's you do it so well that I think maybe we ought to just uh, let you keep doing it because it works out perfectly. So uh, this research came from uh, Abigail Post, um, who is uh, who is a big shot in uh, researching things. She also uh, she also had a co-author with the research. They suggest that President Obama is right and wrong on his thesis that things would be better off. Um, they find that uh, they indicates that more women in legislatures increase peaceful policies. So that's good, right? Sure, they find that countries with women as leaders, prime ministers, presidents, etc., participate in more violent disputes. Wait a minute, how can that be? How can they be increasing peaceful policies and yet participating in more violent disputes? Most societies often stereotype women leaders as weak. Women leaders often then compensate for this perceived weakness by acting more aggressively. So, we'll break down some of this science and find out, is having a woman leader a better thing? Would it, in fact, improve things in general, in our living standards and our outcomes? I want to get your thoughts. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's taken us so long, and are we ever going to be able to completely embrace women as leaders? We'll share the science on the other side. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff. Former President Obama said if more women were put in charge, there'd be less war, kids would be better taken care of, and there would be a general improvement in living standards and outcomes. So, is that true? And what's taking us so long to get there? Well, there's some science. Uh, Abigail Post is an assistant professor of national security and political science at Anderson University in Indiana. She and her co-author looked into all this. As we said, uh, the former president both right and wrong. So... When we ask, well, why can't women leaders be more like men? Um, according to their, their study, a woman knows that her leadership role demands strength, but her gender demands a gentler tactic. This is a, if I was a woman, this would kind of uh, upset me a little because I'm like, well, I don't, just because I'm a woman, that seems like outmoded thinking, doesn't it? That I have to be gentle and I have to uh, take things a little calmer than men, even though I have to be strong. See, guys don't have to worry about that. We come in here as guys, we're just expect. this is how guys are. We don't have that dichotomy. I don't have to be tough with somebody and then gentle with somebody. I don't have to feel that I need to be nurturing and also demanding. I'm just me. Which could explain a lot of my problems. That I don't have to, you know, I don't try to divide things up that way. So, women in powerful leadership roles uh, have to face a double bind, which critics condemn, where critics condemn a gentle approach as weak and then call a strong approach too aggressive. And ladies, how many times have you been called a disparaging name? When you're doing in at work exactly what a man would do, you're standing up for yourself, you're stating your opinion, you're uh, being a professional, and yet you're labeled the B word. Oh, man, she's very difficult to work with. She's so opinionated. Whereas if a guy did it, oh, he's just being Kyle, that's all. Uh, women are likely face two stereotypes that hinder them from pursuing peace over war in office. Uh, people see women as more communal 
which is uh, warm and gentle. Uh, but leadership stereotypes demand agency, which they say is aggressive, ambitious, and dominant. Uh, and because of these stereotypes, people surveyed view women as ill-suited to handle situations related to national security. I don't know when they did this study. Uh, they say they just did it recently. However, it seems like they did it like in the 40s. Oh, the little ladies, they're not really suited for uh, to deal with that kind of stuff. They would, let, uh, they would let our enemies just roll right over us. One study that they quote, done in 2002, which doesn't seem like a long time ago, but is really a long time ago. 61% of respondents said they believed men were better prepared to respond to a military crisis than a woman. Ladies, you're hearing all these things. What are you thinking about? Are are you getting riled up? Do you wish you were you had more agency? That you were more aggressive, ambitious, and dominant to prove to us that you could in fact run the world? Now, as a husband and the father of a daughter, I get out of women's way most of the time because I know you're going to run things uh, just as well, if not better, than anybody else. So, uh, men were more prepared to, they believed, to handle it than women in a military crisis. Much of the bias operates on what a psychologist call an implicit level. That refers to attitudes and stereotypes that affect people in an unconscious manner. So we, you, you might not even believe or know that you're thinking this way, but somewhere deep in the foggy recesses of your mind... You think that. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I love women. I respect women. I think a guy's better if there's a military conflict. So the other part of the research said women face implicit bias even more when they manage foreign policy and national security. Now, we've had female secretaries of state before, and both seemed very capable. Both seemed, uh, you know, to be respected around the world. But maybe those those are two outliers of this mindset. The perceived strength of women, according to this research, is the ability to strike a compromise. It is seen as a weakness during a military crisis. So all the female heads of state involved in military disputes with other nations, they examined them between 1980 and 2010. They found that women are nearly 17 percentage points more likely than their male counterparts to face resistance to their threats from international opponents. So if you're sitting across the table as a woman, uh, try to negotiate a peaceful settlement with a male counterpart, according to this study, the guys are going to go, yeah, what are you going to do about it? You're not doing anything about it. We don't believe you. So, all right. So what does this mean for the future of women in power? What could it possibly mean? I'll tell you on the other side. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Talking about this uh, study that gave the science behind women being world leaders and if things would actually be uh, better in the overall standard of living. Uh, a couple of texts coming in from the 906. Kind of another another female stereotype. Say, you're invading my country and I don't know why. Yes, you do. You're supposed to know. Quit acting like a man. I don't know. Are you a married guy, Kyle? No? I uh, will be in September. Yes, you will be in September. Well, c- c- congratulations. Good for you. You'll probably find this out if you haven't already. Sometimes, uh, ladies, uh, my wife in particular, and I'm sure a lot of ladies, if you're honest, you'll admit this, expect us to know things that we couldn't possibly know or that we have... 
put out of our minds because they didn't see me excited. Like, why are you upset? You should know why I'm upset. Well, if I knew, I wouldn't really ask you. So uh, that's uh, the, the male brain and the female brain, as much as we are equal in a lot of things, we're different. So our brains are different, you know, so that might work out. Um, from Jeff and Fox Point, I'm fine with women being the leader, provided it's the right women. Uh, I've had female supervisory figures in my employment who have been excellent. I've also had uh, some bunny boilers. Oh, well, But that can be said for men, too. I'm sure we've all had both male and female bosses who have been excellent, and then other ones that you would like to string up on your day off and just beat like a pinata. There's a, you know... Sex, the sex of the boss doesn't necessarily dictate how they are going to be with their employees. Not at all. And I think, I think that's part of the problem. Some, some people, not everybody, but some people still, you know, like to use these old stereotypes. All right. So what does it mean for the future of women in power? All this science, all the, the numbers that we've thrown out, everything that we've been talking about. Well, uh, they claim that the president, uh, former president, made a big leap when he assumed that women can so quickly overcome the biases of old people, usually old men, who won't just get out of the way. Uh, society perceives women as good at compromise. However, according to their study, few voters want a leader to compromise on issues close to the national security, which, you know, that makes perfect sense. But. As more women achieve the highest levels of office, will our views of women in leadership change as well? I hope so, because it's, you know, it's about time. I always like to say, and this always gets me in trouble, uh, things can't get much worse. And then, lo and behold, things always tend to get much worse, or at least a little worse. But, again, I've, uh, I've worked with a lot of strong female leaders, and I think... You know, I think as much as they tried to pass this off as current, I keep coming back to the point that a lot of this really, really seems outdated. And I don't know who all they talk to, but it seems like a lot of people who really aren't in touch with what's uh, going on. All right. On the other side of the news, we are going to shift gears. You know, I keep hearing that it's Christmas. Uh, however, at my house, we have not gotten our usual con compliment of christmas cards coming in the mail maybe it's uh because we haven't really sent any out this year but are christmas cards an outdated idea and there's this i have a story of one of the the greatest christmas card story ever so we'll talk a little christmas cards are you still sending them who do you decide gets them that's always a big a big thing we'll talk about why one uh cnn anchor is uh still sending them Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Listen, it's 2019, almost 2020. Can't we just uh, can we just text or send an electronic greeting card? Do we still have to send old-fashioned Christmas cards? All right, it's Brian Newton in for Jeff Wagner. That's the question. This this year, uh, we haven't gotten too many Christmas cards. Have you gotten Christmas cards at the house, Kyle? Anybody sending you a card? Nobody. No, who wants no to... people my age don't do that. All right. See, there's another There's another thing. But l- listen, people my age aren't doing it either. That's a problem. But people your age don't believe in Christmas cards? I think it's it, it does come from sort of a traditional sort of uh Is it an environmental I thing? I, I, <laughs> I don't about know. The I, I, for me, I don't have the money to just buy tons and tons of photos of, my, of me. <laughs> <laughs> And my girlfriend as well. Sure. And then mail 70 copies of them. 
that's what Christmas cards have devolved into. For the most part now, it's, oh, man, we've got to get a Christmas card. You dig back through all the pictures you've taken in the year. You, you know, you're scrolling through your phone going, oh, did we take one halfway decent photo that we could write a clever little message around? And they go to one of these online companies that do these cards, and it takes you, you know, you could do it in five minutes. So the old way, back when I was, back when I was a kid and I used to see them come to the house, people would order Christmas cards well in advance and they'd come in these beautiful foil lined envelopes and people had taken the time to hand address them and maybe even, oh, God forbid, you would write a personalized message in there. Dear Kyle, sorry you don't have the money for Christmas cards. I must be doing a lot better than you. Happy holidays. Love, Brian. And then I'd send it off. Now, it's, we've got this picture, here it comes, and, oh, well, okay, I guess, now I've got a stack of, I've got a stack of pictures that on January 6th, I go, I look at them one more time, fantastic, toss a rule, that's it. So, all the, all the money that people are spending, and those things are expensive. I know, was it last year, the year before we went through one of these, but I, I'd stray, stressed and worked over, you know, my wife and daughter and I, we, we figured out the pictures. That was fine. You had a big picture on the front, and then you had a little picture on the back where your signature went. The picture part was fine. But then I wanted to be clever, so I'm spending all this time trying to, trying to tie in a message that goes with the picture and then a little message on the back, and we spent a fortune, and we sent them out, and, you know, I don't know. You, you send them to people who you never see, who you really don't care to see, but you send a card because they send a card. Well, if that's if that's any indication, next year I'm sending out three cards if I go back to it because we're not getting them. And I'm wondering if that's just, as Kyle said, a generational thing, if it's a cost thing, if it's just, listen, in this day and age, it is so much easier to just, like I'll get up Christmas morning and I'll send a group text. Because I'm lazy and inconsiderate. And I will just send a group text to, uh, you know, even though I'll see my brothers and my mom later that day, I'll send them a group text. Then there's a few of my friends, I'll send a separate group text. And that'll be that. You know, I, 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 don't, I, I don't need to do this. But I'd like to hear from you. If you're still sending them the old-fashioned way, can you imagine... Can you imagine, Kyle, sitting at a table with a roll of stamps, putting them on envelopes, and then actually having to go to the post office? When was the last time you were at a post office? Never. Probably 2008. Who goes to the post office anymore? Well, Richard Quest is a CNN business editor at large, and he wrote a piece on CNN, uh, Why I Still Send Christmas Cards. So while I don't feel the need to, even though out of guilt I almost did this year, I said to my wife, Hey, are we sending Christmas cards? And she said, no. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I said, why? She said, it's too much of a hassle. I said, well, we still have some old boxes of them, you know, from different years. You know, here's four in this box and five in this box and a couple in this box. And, you know, we could mix and match and just send them out, and they're all fun. She's like, if you want to do it, go ahead. But I'm not doing it. I said, oh, all right. Well, I guess we're not sending Christmas cards this year. But Richard Quest still sends Christmas cards. Uh, he calls it, he does say that it is a time-consuming and antiquated Christmas ritual, or he, he admits that that's what some people will say. Uh, and he, he knows people will ask, why don't you send e-cards? 
Uh, he sticks to sending old-fashioned Christmas cards. There's something, to quote, delicious and meaningful about the whole process that brings out the best in us. That seems to put a lot of lot of pressure on the process of sending out uh, Christmas cards. Something delicious and meaningful. Uh, he said, it all comes back to the relationships that are cemented by the ritual. Um, and he says there is a special category of people in his life he calls Christmas carters. He doesn't see them from one year to the next, but they always exchange Christmas cards. 855-616-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, James has been hanging on. Hello, James. How you doing? I'm well. What do you think of this? Well, I think Christmas cards, are, like I said, like like I was saying to your screener there, 10 years ago, probably I sent probably maybe about 25 or 30 cards out or something like that. Now, probably maybe a half a dozen. But the thing that gets me is these brag letters from your relatives or your friends <laughs> that that really brag that, like, you're a low life because you didn't do anything. That's and right. They're, and they're going on out to Hawaii or California or around the world or, or whatever it is, and they got the... Their kids, this is what so-and-so's doing, this is what this is. And they send you a darker two, three, four, or half a book uh, type of thing in a darker letter there. And like you said, you don't see them, but once you maybe not see them at all or very few, you know, little bit. Right. And they, these people are bragging like like they got money. Look at I got money, and you're nobody, or, or you're nothing. And that that type of thing is like, well, who the hell cares? Send me just a Christmas card, a nice Christmas card, with yeah. me happy holidays and stuff like that, instead of instead of bragging to me that uh, that well, I'm you know whatever. James, they obviously don't know social media is where we're supposed to do all our bragging to show people how good well, our lives but, are. But, you know what? <laughs> but 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 these people, some of these people are so wound up in their darker little me 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 world that they don't yes. give a hell about you or me or anybody else. You know. So can I and ask? And that, can I ask why you you said you used to send out as many as fifty and now you're down to maybe a dozen or so? What was it? Just people that uh, you don't care about anymore, well, or think, you stopped I getting think, cards? I, I, or well, I, I send cards to people that you know send me cards back, yes. relatives, <laughs> friends, and stuff like right. that. But I think that I think the thing is that the cost, and I think that a lot of people just don't uh, you know. Like say, don't see you, or, or you, you right. know, you're not communicating with them enough, or whatever. Whether it's relatives, friends, or other people and stuff like that, I think that car, cards have gone like newspapers and books and everything yeah. else that everybody's been saying. You know, it's it's kind of slowly slipped down, and probably, probably in a probably in a ten years, probably cards will be the darker thing of the past. Or you know what happens uh, these days? Not only on cards. It's like a birthday cards and stuff. Yeah. People do these that are going teleconferencing type of things. Which you were here, happy birthday, bingo. They don't want to send you a card or whatever. Right, it is. we send the electronics like card, we send the text. James, I'm not sending you a card, but I'm wishing you a happy holidays anyway. Well, you, you too, and uh, you guys do a good job on <laughs> uh, TMJ. Uh, hey, br bring Jonathan Green back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, listen, thanks for the call. He, he called in, he was talking to Jeff. So. That is a, you know, very, very exciting. All right, let's do this. Then we'll get to more of your calls and texts. Christmas cards, have they gone the way of the dinosaur? Are you still sending them out? And if so, why? There's so many other ways to get a hold of people. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, it's Brian Noonan for Jeff. We're talking about Christmas cards. And uh, the business editor-at-large for CNN 
was defending his stance on sending Christmas cards, and he talked about these Christmas carders, people that you don't see, that you don't talk to, but you send Christmas cards, and every year when you either get their card or you make the conscious choice, in his words, to send them the card, you think of them fondly every time of year. It's a ritual for him that involves selecting each card from the box uh, and then thinking, oh, this would be perfect for this person, and this card would be perfect for this this person. And he also admits that sometimes you have to debate. Uh, well, they didn't send me a card this year. Do I still keep saying them? He says yes. He sends them to everyone. Are you still sending Christmas cards, or has it gone the way of the dodo bird, uh, which is another old man reference for you, Kyle. I'm going to try to throw in as many as I can today. We We did not send Christmas cards this year. Uh, so I'm hoping everyone in the sound of my voice just uh, figured that I'm sending you an oral Christmas card. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyous Holidays. There you go. Uh, 855-616-1620 is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and that is how George got a hold of us. Hi, George. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, good, morning. good afternoon. Um, we, we send out our Christmas cards out of a, an address book that is probably 20 years old. <laughs> How many and do you get say, back? You know, oh, we get about uh, twenty or thirty. No, I mean, how many? How many get returned to you because the address book is oh, old? And some people, yes, returned to you. Sorry, none of them. Oh wow, none good. of them. So somebody's updating no, that I mean, address book. Well, my wife does that. I don't know there that she know. enjoys it, but <laughs> she. Uh, we get our cards from Costco. You know, three pictures with us and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Milikaliki Maha. Sure, whatever. <laughs> And uh, she sits at the table and addresses them faithfully and puts a stamp, and she says, take these to the post office, and I want a stamp, so I'll get a couple more. <laughs> it's really easy to take them to the post office, but standing 10 people oh. waiting to, you know, that's a pain in the neck. Yeah, that's when, I wonder that's if, when you're, uh, you're... Go ahead. You wonder, yeah, if I wonder Christmas... If Christmas... Yeah, I wonder if Christmas cards are going to go the way of green stamps. I don't know. It's they still sell them. I'm seeing less and less displays when I go into you yeah. know whether Walgreens or Walmart or wherever I'm going. I see less displays. It used to be you know the whole aisle would be boxed Christmas cards. You don't see yeah, too many luck. of them anymore. Yeah. So I think it's because now you got to go on. Go now everybody goes online, like you said, or they go to Costco. They get the picture ones, and it's uh, it's that much yeah. easier. So your whole job is just it to is. get the stamps and take them to the post office. Your wife has to do everything else. Well, I I put the wine out there to help her. You know, I'm pouring the wine and putting the ice cubes in. And That's it. I go to bed at, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, and she's still sitting <laughs> it up. Like, Honey, you can do that tomorrow. No, it won't make the post office. That's right. you got to get yes, to the post dear. office. Well, George, Merry Christmas. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's see. we got some text coming in, too. Uh, let's see. Oh, wrong mouse. There we go. Yeah, my wife has sent out Christmas cards every year for the 44 years we've been married. She sends out over 300 each year. I think by now we own half of Hallmark. I wouldn't know 300 people if you lined them all up in the parking lot to send Christmas cards to. I'm lucky if I have two dozen at tops, and that's stretching it, where I go, well, I met them once. Uh, maybe I should send them a card. Um Let's see. Set an alarm just to listen to you. Well, thank you very much. I send cards to some people as it's the only time I ever contact them. Old school teachers, some of my parents' friends, a few retired co-workers. I always do photo cards with my horses, six of them and dogs and cats. Some of my friends' kids really like to see them. 
That's what I need. I gotta get, maybe I'll just get a picture with horses. I'll just Photoshop myself in and go, yeah, this was a great year for me. I got a lot of horses. Uh, then you go back to those letters that, uh, one of the callers mentioned before where it's, oh, look at Brian trying to flaunt this fact that now he has horses. Now he's a stable owner. Isn't he fancy? Merry Christmas. John's in Brookfield. Hi, John. Welcome to WTMJ. Hey, man. So what do you think? Do you send Christmas cards? Do you just uh, wait for them to come to you and get greedy? What's your, what's your deal? Yeah, I'm a little greedy. I don't send them out, but I love getting them. <laughs> now, do you do you get mostly, do you find, are you getting mostly the picture cards? Are you getting, uh, are you getting uh, traditional cards? What's coming to your house? Uh, we, we get a few traditional family uh, member cards, stuff like that, kind of update you on the kids, uh, uh, just uh, picture-wise. Okay. Send out a little thing. My favorite uh, one that I get every year is um, one from my group on Facebook. We're in a Grateful Dead head group, and one of the administrators takes their time and uh, makes a little calendar with nice. Bob Weir on it and stuff, and they send that out with a little Christmas card. And every year I look forward to it, and uh, it's just another way to kind of engage and and, you know, it makes it feel like more of a community than just a Facebook group. And, you know, it's a big group, so it's really yeah. connecting. That's nice. And it always smells like weed when it comes, which is a nice bonus. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> no, man. Just the way you said that, John, makes it uh, makes me think that I'm correct. Well, Merry Christmas, John. <laughs> Keep on trucking. Merry Christmas. Take care, man. Yeah, come on. I, I Listen, I'd love a Grateful Dead calendar to come to my house. I'd know what a long, strange trip every year has been. Oh, that was such a bad joke, Kyle. Why did you even let me make it? I told you, I, like I wrote it down. Uh, there is a wonderful, wonderful, very touching Christmas card story that I will share with you. We've got some more uh, texts rolling in. Your call is always at 855-616-1620 on the AccuDet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I also want, if you are, if you are one of these people who have sent out one of these uh, letters, I need to talk to you and ask you uh, why you need to include some of the details that you include. So we'll do all of that uh, right after this. It's 620 WTMJ. We are talking about Christmas cards, sending them, receiving them, also the letters. Uh, I am... We don't get too many of the letters anymore. We got uh, get one from a former coworker, and his is just basically, "Hey, we had another kid, and here's the ages, and that's fine." You know, um, this is kind of an update on our family, which I like. Uh, we used to, we still get one from a relative of my wife's, who goes into unbelievable detail about uh, things that maybe you don't want to go into unbelievable detail about around the holidays. Uh, two years ago, I remember. One of uh, this woman's sons went to jail for a pretty heinous act. And it was included, honest to God, in the family Christmas letter. And the more I read the letter, the more depressed I got. Because it was a litany of horrors that had befallen this family. And I was like, wow. I mean, if you're sending it out to go, hey, your life's not so bad. Look what could happen. Then I guess Merry Christmas. But other than that... Why would you put pen to paper and or fingers to keyboard and say, yes, this is what has befallen my family uh, this year? Uh, let's get to Chris real quick on WTMJ. Hi, Chris. Hi. So do you send uh, out Merry cards? Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. I do. I, I send out a card with a letter. In the last few years, I have taken the time to write the family updates into a poem. Oh, that's clever. 
Now, do you only you you just include good stuff, right? Or, unless you know, if somebody had a yeah. you know a major medical emergency, maybe you throw that in. But you try to keep it upbeat, no, no. right? I try to keep it pretty upbeat. Yep. Good. Good. And so, you how long how long do you have to start to get a poem every year? Is this something that you can do quickly, or do you you know? Usually, I'm behind, and I'm like at this point still still working on uh, getting the stamps on things and and getting them out. But this year, I started <laughs> earlier, probably uh, probably uh, the end of October. I was starting the poem. All right, and you got it all done, and you sent out your hundred cards. Yeah, and some of them are family and friends that I don't see, but then I added in this year, oh, maybe about eight or so people that are homebound from church okay. who um, would not normally get uh, too much for cards and letters. Well, that's very nice. Give them something to read. And, and do you find you get, um, a, do you get a lot in return, or is this just uh, something that you do that eh, you don't really need to get, get any in return? I get quite a few in return. I get quite a few in return, and a lot of them include updates. Some are not all cards. Some that I receive are just the pictures. Very nice. Uh, some are just a letter without the card. So I get the updates from, you know, the extended family. There you go. But they don't necessarily send out the card. Well, Chris, I'm sure everybody, all your recipients, all I'm sure all your recipients enjoy the poem. Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Merry Christmas. Thank Take you. Care. Uh, from Renee in New Berlin, I send them just cards, and I uh, just write, have a blessed Christmas and Happy New Year. I don't need to know everyone's life story. The 630 Christmas cards make for handy gift card packaging. Sure they do. Uh, most gift card boxes sold don't fit the full-size gift card packaging. All right. And uh, we will, you know. Maybe I'll have time. We'll share the uh, we'll share this touching Christmas card story. But on the other side of the news, uh, there's a lot of pressure to be in the holiday spirit. So what if you're not? What can you do if you're not in the holiday spirit? And what actually puts you in the holiday spirit? Because, you know, maybe you're working throughout the holidays, things are not good. We'll talk about all of that on the other side of the news here on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Nope, not today. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner. I'll be in for the next few days for Jeff uh, while he enjoys some holiday time off. Listen, he's entitled. Give him a break. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. Maybe that's why Jeff is taking the days off, because there's pressure around the holidays. Hanukkah started last night. Christmas is in a couple of days. We're all feeling this pressure. Everybody wants us to be happy and joyous and blah, 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 blah. And sometimes you just can't get in that holiday spirit, but something tips it in. What is it for you that makes you finally get kicked into the holiday spirit? For some, it's a, it's a Christmas carol. If, if I hear, you know, for me, it's the opposite. If I hear Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, I run the other way. But for some people, it's not Christmas for them until they hear that. It's not the holidays until you, you know, see somebody who's coming to visit, who comes every year. It's not till you get together for that traditional meal. Maybe you and your friends all go out and do something. Maybe that's when the holidays really kick in for you. I don't know what... Even when I'm doing things around the house, like de I, do, I do most of the decorating at home because I'm very anal when it comes to that. I want things a certain way, and so my wife is very smart. She just gets out of my way and lets me do it, and that way she doesn't have to do it as well. But you would think, okay, once the tree is up and all the lights are on outside, 
you'd be in the holiday spirit, right? Some years, yes. Some years, no. This year, it took me a little longer to get in the holiday spirit. Some people never do. And if you don't, I'm wondering how you cope with that. Because the pressure is everywhere to be happy and joyful and full of peace and love and all of that other stuff. And sometimes it just doesn't happen for a number of reasons. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line if you want to jump in on this. Um, we'll share some, I'll share some things with you uh, that might help you cope. Now, some people, it's never going to happen. You're, you're just never going to get into that holiday spirit, or you're never going to get into the holiday spirit that you think people want you to be in. But I think there's levels of it. You know, yeah, I put on a green sweater and a red shirt today, you know, so outwardly, oh, don't I look festive? Sure, I do. Why not? Um, last night, last night I got into the holiday spirit a little more because we went to a Winter Wonderfest. Have you done, have you done that out at the, uh, at the Botanical Gardens? Oh no! I've never heard oh of that. my goodness! It's a wonderful thing. You get it. You drive in your. Uh, you stay in your car, and you drive through this mi- little over a mile, like a mile and a half kind of uh, kind of trail, through the, through the uh, botanical gardens, and uh, it's all lit up, and it's and you, they got Christmas music going. So you can, you know they tell you what station to turn on, or you can play your own Christmas music. It's not you know they're not checking your car, and if you have on the wrong station, you you know they don't pull you out of the car and pummel you with candy canes and whatnot. But you get there, and we had to. It starts at five o'clock, obviously when it gets dark. But you can start lining up. Cars can start lining up at four thirty. We got there just after four thirty, and we were already back pretty far in line. So normally this is the kind of thing that would make me absolutely crazy because I have to drive slow behind somebody who keeps hitting their brakes. And like if that happened going home today, I would be apoplectic. I'd want to get out of the car and uh, drag someone out with me. But last night I gave myself over to the holiday spirit. The ghost of driving Christmas present enveloped me. And we, I sat in the car, and I drove down this, uh, it takes maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and not a big, uh, not 15, 20, yeah, maybe 20 minutes to go a, a little over a mile. And it was just beautiful. And we had the music going, and my wife and daughter and I were in the car, and it was just, it was very nice. So that that put me in the holiday spirit, and then to go home, and turn the tree on and stuff, but I never, I am never fully in the holiday spirit until Christmas Eve, when everybody else in my house goes to bed, because then I sit, just myself and the dogs, I pour myself a drink and I watch Bad Santa, and that to me says Happy Holidays. You ever seen Bad Santa, or is that too old a movie for you too, Kyle? Uh, it's it's from in my color. Time, but I've never it's seen a talkie. It. It's a, you know, it's in color. The surround side's got it all, man. It's you know. Probably people you've heard of. Billy Bob Thornton, he's, you know, I know he's older, but he's a current actor. He, it's, this is, a, you know, this is not so, it's not a kinescope from 1877. This is a, a modern day motion picture. You don't have to flip cards or anything. It's fantastic. So that, when I sit down to watch Bad Santa, which no one else in my family will watch, I made them a couple of years ago. Uh, made is harsh. I didn't hold them at gunpoint, but I, I encourage them that maybe we can make this a family thing. And we could all sit together and watch Bad Santa. My wife fell asleep within 20 minutes, and my daughter at the end of it said, I will never watch this again. I don't know how you consider this a Christmas movie. I said, well, because it's about Santa. 
albeit a bad Santa, but it's still about Santa. So that's when I know I am in the Christmas mood. But I'm wondering from you, when is it? When do you know? Are, are you in the Christmas spirit, Kyle? You seem you seem jovial and happy, but that could all be some outward sort of mask that you wear. It's usually usually about the week leading up to it where I just give into it. Basically. So have you have you given yourself over now? Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> I found I've been listening to, last night, though, I did hit the wall. We had listened to Christmas music in the car for a couple hours. And by the time I pulled into the garage, I couldn't turn the radio off fast enough. It's like, all right, I've heard enough. Well, you know, I went through, we had a bunch of, here's uh, old school. We had some CDs in the car. That, that and vinyl. I was listening to vinyl in the car, too. But then, then I streamed some things, Kyle, because I know I'm, uh, you know I'm down with the kids. So we listened to some CDs, and then we were streaming things, streaming music. And then we listened to uh, whatever radio station they were pumping through at the uh, Winter, Wonder, uh, Winter Wonders event. Um, so I, I had reached my point. But, you know, I, I feel now... I'm happy. I'm try. I cursed less at other drivers today on the way uh, way to work. So that was very Christmassy of myself. Uh, I'll try not to honk my horn more than a half dozen times after I leave here today. And if I do, I'll try to do it in a uh, a nice uh, jovial manner. Maybe just a slight tap. Uh, you know, maybe make it into a, a lyric or some sort of Christmas jingle. That's what we'll do. That's what I'm doing. What are you doing to get yourself in the holiday spirit? 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage talking text line, and we'll share some hints. If you just can't get in that mood, we'll do that all after this. 620 WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner. I'm going to bribe you because it's the Christmas season. I'm going to give something away. Yes, Jeff has been doing the 12 Days of Sticksmiths. And later in the next hour, I am going to give away the grand prize. That's right. It's a free team of two. It's free team of two entry into their Winter Golf League, valued at $450. Holy cow. Uh, again, free team for two entry into the Winter Golf League at Sticks, uh, valued at $450. I'll give it away sometime after 2 o'clock. Oh, there's the big radio tease. That's how we do it. That'll put you in the holiday spirit, winning a big prize like that, having uh, Brian Claus give you something. <laughs> Even though Jeff's been doing all the legwork up to this point, I get how awful is that? It's like if you've if you've built all the toys, if you're you know if you're the elves, let's say, you've spent all year in the workshop cobbling away, making all these toys, and Santa gets all the credit. Jeff's been working this contest the whole time, and I get to swoop in and give away the grand prize. Ho ho ho! Isn't that lovely? Uh, we're talking about what puts you in the holiday spirit because you you know the pressure is here. We all have to, people will people will be saying, "Oh, don't you don't you feel it? Uh, you know, look at all the decorations. It's uh, Christmas. It's Hanukkah. You should you're surrounded by friends and family. Blah blah blah. You should feel great. Sometimes you're not. Um, from uh, from uh, Jeff in Fox Point, getting my Christmas shopping finished is usually what kicks it in. But participating in toy and food drives also helps. Yes, that's one of the things we're going to get to uh, get to some of that. Uh, helping others, we should do it all year. We know that, but you know, you do it at the holidays. It it does feel good. 
hopefully we don't forget later on in the year that people still need help. But uh, And I don't want to minimize all the stuff that people are doing now during the Christmas and Hanukkah season. And uh, But, you know, so that's good. Uh, from Renee in New Berlin, unfortunately, I haven't been in the Christmas spirit in a very long time. And that's, Renee, you are not alone. That's That's more common than you would think. You know, a lot of people put on a brave face and they try, you know, they don't want, if you're going out with friends or something, you don't want to bring the mood down. You don't want everybody to think that uh, things are not great. But sometimes that's that's the way it goes. You know, you just... You just don't feel it. It could be, you know, memories of Christmases past that did not go well. It could be that you lost somebody around this time of year. It could be financially things are rough or you've lost your job or things aren't going well at home. There's a lot of reasons that we might not feel great around the holidays. And part of the, part of that then is we tend to isolate and stay away from other people. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk to anybody, uh, and so we isolate, which is the worst thing you can do. Now, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, um, but I have done some research, so I'm going to share some things. And, and you know what? Take this take this advice, not just Renee, but anybody who's feeling down or not not embracing the holidays. And listen, if you never embrace the holidays, that's okay, too. It's not, you know, there's, there's no law that says, as far as I know, now, I'll have Kyle do some research, but as far as I know, there's not a law that says you have to embrace the holidays. If there were, trust me, I'd be doing time making wine in my toilet. Uh, it's not a, not a thing. But So here are some ways to uh, beat the holiday blues. And the, you know, We all know that a lot of us, during the winter, we get a little down anyway, and that's seasonal affective disorder, because normally, this time of year, it's gray, and cloudy and cold and nasty and now it's like you know now it's like we're in the mid south it's going to be in the mid 50s all week which is fantastic but let me i'll give you i'll give you one and then we'll uh we'll do some stuff and come back and uh, i'll give you some others but i'm still looking for ways that you get in the holiday spirit what is that point where you finally know yep i'm in uh the first thing they say to do if you're if you're feeling blue around the holidays is to keep active uh, a lack of energy can drain your mood. So any kind of exercise, aerobic exercise, is probably the best. So if you want to take a little walk, uh, do some jumping jacks in your living room, whatever it is, whatever it is to uh, to help you stay active and get your heart pumping, that's the way to do it. All right, I'll share some others on the other side. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Having trouble getting into the holiday spirit? You're not alone. Don't succumb to the pressure. Just, uh, you know, look inward. We'll try to figure it out. Uh, I'll try to help you out. I have some tips here from various uh, medical professionals, doctors, who are actually saying, uh, you know, here's some ways to do it. I, I mentioned keeping active before. So no matter what you have to do, even if it's, even if it's you know, just walking around, uh, go to the mall, walk around, go to the store, walk around, whatever. Um, some of this gets a little into the psych- psychological part of it. And we all know that, you know, if you love your fa- you can love your family and still, mm, you know, reach a point where you're like, all right, I'm, I'm done staying here. Because a lot of it, we fall back into our old patterns. You know, if you're with your siblings or your parents and, uh, you know, you're, 
you're successful in your own right. You're, you're a grown-up. You're doing your thing. And then you get around, and everybody falls back into those old family patterns. And that can, that can be very stressful over the holidays, too. So another tip is to stay on your own side. It says, be wary of self-critical thoughts that tend to crop up during the holiday season and over the year. Uh, maybe you don't have a date. Maybe you're not in a relationship. Uh, you know, maybe your job isn't going the way. These are all self-critical thoughts. And they may all be true, but this time of year they're amplified. So just try to, you know, if you feel these thoughts coming on, the experts say, um... Just identify that voice and then push it aside and just try to say, you know what, it's gonna, things are going to change. So do that. Get to know your patterns, they say. One of the most valuable questions for people to ask themselves when they feel down is, what am I telling myself in those moments when I start to feel stressed or depressed? There's a pattern uh, to our mood swings that is crucial to identity and to identify rather and interrupt. Uh, the moment your mood starts to plummet can be a sign that your critical inner voice is at work. That critical inner voice. I'm so tired of that inner voice. That's why I try to drown it out by using my external voice all the time. Choose your family time. This is the thing. This is where a lot of us, uh, this is why I think alcohol was invented, so that we could deal with our families around the holidays. I can deal with my family other times perfectly well. The holidays are always stressful because everything comes into play. All the old, all the old patterns, like I said before, all the old memories. Uh, so family's time may sound relaxing and joyful, according to these experts, but not all holiday visits are filled with warmth and affection. Time spent with the families can uh, reactivate old dynamics and stir up old emotional reactions. I did, mom did not like me best. She liked you best. Stop it. Don't feel guilty uh, to choose time you spend with your family. And remember that the time you do spend with them is likely to arouse past emotions. So it's okay to say, hey, uh, I've got to go. It's time. Uh, time. You know, I've, been here for, I've been here for 12 minutes. I think that's plenty of time. I wished everyone a Merry Christmas. Uh, I've had one drink. And now it's time for me to be on my way. And the other big thing they say is to keep a balance because there's a lot going on during the holidays and we're expected to do all kinds of things. There's parties, there's dinners, there's uh, responsibilities for work and home and shopping and everything else. And you just have to, you have to know when to pull back. And are these all going to solve everybody's problems for the holidays? No. They may, you may not get into the, uh, to the holiday spirit. You may still be blue during the holidays, but Try your best and know that you are not alone. Unlike a, a local legislator who may be alone for the holidays because he pulled one of the dumbest moves, I think, imaginable in politics. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's Brian Newton in for Jeff Wagner here until 3 o'clock. Then it's Wisconsin's afternoon news. 620 WTMJ. All right. Sometimes, uh, listen, it's always tough to talk about race uh, and, and racial issues because people get all bent out of shape. But I think I think most of us can really uh, could agree on this, that sometimes white people just need to shut up, especially white politicians when it comes to Black History Month, which we know is February. Sometimes it, just keep your mouth shut. You know, we don't need we don't need input. Um, you know, you can be supportive, but we don't, we don't always need to express our ideas. That's right. I am, uh, 
Oh my goodness! I am looking at uh, I am looking at you, GOP Rep Scott Allen of Waukesha. Sometimes we need to just keep our mouth shut, okay? If you don't know the story, um, Scott Allen is proposing a resolution to recognize Black History Month in Wisconsin without input from any black lawmakers, uh, and that has upset some some people, especially Senator Lena Taylor, who coincidentally is running for mayor of Milwaukee. Uh, so she wrote an email to uh, Representative Allen, and I'm, I was debating how I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to do it in the voice because if I do, if I do, if I put any kind of uh, accent or emphasis on any of this, I'm just going to read it, and you'll figure it out. The email said, "Quote: Thank you, Massa Allen, for picking those we should honor, sir. We show ain't capable." Of thinking foe ourselves, sir. End quote. You know, you can figure it out. So here, the resolution wanted to honor ten Wisconsinites. Uh, the problem was most of those Wisconsinites that he nominated for recognition during Black History Month are not black. Uh, they're also members. They're not black, and there are members of the Stockbridge Muncie Band of Mohican Indians. So the honorees were either slaves or were integral in helping slaves escape to Canada through the Underground Railroad Network between uh, 1842 and 1861. So, a white legislator saying, hey, this is how we should honor Black History Month, and uh, some of his black counterparts in the legislature are saying, no, you know what, we can, uh, we can pretty much handle this on our own. I'm going to agree with the latter. I would not feel like I had any room to, you know, like I said, as a white legislature, as a white person, you could support Black History Month. That makes perfect sense. But I don't need, I don't need a legislature <laughs> or a legislator, a white legislator going, you know what, these are the people that, uh, that we should put in. So, um, Representative uh, Representative Allen said, as we approach February, which has historically been recognized nationwide as Black History Month, we should all recognize the importance of highlighting the history of black Americans in a way that raises the prominence of that part of our mutual history so that it is the center of our attention. That was in a memo he wrote to colleagues, which is all well and good, but if you are not part of that community, if you don't have that shared history, is it really your place to make those recommendations. I say no. And I don't think that's being cowardly. I don't think that's putting your head in the sand. I think it's respecting the fact that while you are supportive of the community and of Black History Month, you don't really have the street cred to be making these kind of recommendations. So, in an interview, then, uh, then Representative, uh, or Senator Taylor, rather, she called Allen hypocritical and disingenuous for offering a resolution that honored many white people without talking to black lawmakers, uh, because he has not signed on to legislation by black lawmakers aimed at ending racial disparities. Um, he is saying he didn't feel the need to talk to black legislators because they don't run everything by him. It's back and forth, back and forth. Um, Senator Taylor did apologize. Uh, she said she was hyperbolic when she was uh, when she wrote that statement. She was just trying to put it in uh, 
a vernacular that maybe uh, made her point a little a little better. So, uh, it, it it's not it's it's something most of us are uncomfortable talking about race. Anytime anytime race comes up, you get nervous because we all have definite opinions on it. We all have backgrounds that are varied. We all know how we hope things should be. And sometimes getting to where, getting to that spot is difficult. And sometimes we make a misstep. Now, I don't know. I don't know if this was just a misstep uh, by Representative Allen. I don't know if if uh, Senator Taylor's reaction was a pol- was political. There's a lot going on here. But I think at some point, if you're not... If you're not a part of any community, you got to back off. You know, you don't, we don't need, we don't need to hear from white guys. And we, nobody needs to hear from white guys saying who, uh, how we should celebrate Black History Month. That's all. It just, it, it just was a bad, a bad move. And it's one that is going to keep playing out. Now, this is not the first time this has happened. This is like the third time there's been uh, there's been issues like this, uh, where white lawmakers have intervened in how black lawmakers should honor their own history. Uh, the state assembly passed a resolution last February, drafted by the legislature's black caucus, to honor prominent black Americans during the month, but only after the Republicans blocked it until black Democratic lawmakers agreed to take Colin Kaepernick off the list. So, all right, we let you know. We're going to give it to you. Here's people you can honor. We're going to do that. And we just don't like this guy for whatever reason. In 2018, uh, Allen pushed back against a Black History Month proposal from Taylor and Milwaukee reps uh, to honor contributions from 14 prominent black state residents. Uh, Allen said the resolution should not be limited to the proposed list of honorees. So this is an issue between Taylor and Allen that goes back a while. This is not this is not the first time these two have butted heads on this. So you have to wonder in the climate we're in now how much of this is genuine uh, offense and how much of this is political grandstanding. I think the kernel the kernel of the issue is valid. The bigger it gets, then it then I think it starts to waver into the into the, hey, let's make this a little bigger than it really needs to be. So uh, as a member from Democratic Rep. David Bowen called Allen's new resolution preemptive, he said, as a member of the Legislative Black Caucus, I want to ensure that I acknowledge Representative Allen's passion for black history, and I will propose to my caucus that he will officially be the first white man to receive all information (laughs) pertaining to Black History Month. All right. I think this does more to to set things back than it does to actually promote. You know, people already complain that, oh, why, why is Black History Month February? It's the shortest month. So there, you've already got people saying that. Now, oh, we have to, we have to submit everything to this white legislature. Just, let's just, you know what? Let's just honor the month. Let's just honor the people and move on. But we don't. We don't really need uh, much help. You know who else doesn't need any help? Bill Cosby's publicist, because he is making another gigantic mistake all by himself. 
There's a lot. I don't know. I talked about not being in the holiday spirit. There's some people who really, uh, for the holidays, they should hope Santa brings them a uh, a muzzle, because some people just need to shut up and let things go. I don't know if you've heard about this. Well, if you haven't, I'll tell you all about it on the other side. Brian for Jeff, 620 WTMJ. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that Saturday night marked the return of Eddie Murphy to Saturday Night Live after 35 years. Uh, it is recorded. Uh, my plan is to watch it tonight when I get home. Uh, so I've, I've heard nothing but great things. The reviews have been off the charts, saying Eddie Murphy was phenomenal. He brought back Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. He brought back Gumby, uh, a great opening segment that featured uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy and uh, Kenan Thompson. So overall, and then Lizzo was the musical guest. Here's a sure sign that I'm, I know who Lizzo is. But I had never heard of Lizzo, and now I can't stop hearing about Lizzo. I went from I went from Lizzo uh, not being anywhere on my radar to now wondering how I've lived all my years without embracing Lizzo's music. So I don't know how that happens. People have known about Lizzo forever. Um, I am going to normally I fast forward through the musical guests because that's just noise to me. I don't know, you know. I don't know who these. I don't know who these people are. They all look like they need a shower, and uh, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm very curmudgeonly. But now I got to watch Lizzo because she is she's the bee's knees, according to everybody. Uh, there's another. I I told you I'm going to keep throwing in these old references for you. Uh, but one person, boy, did not like Eddie Murphy's uh, appearance on Saturday Night Live, and that was Bill Cosby's publicist. At what point do you stop fighting for someone who is quite clearly horrible? Bill Cosby, if you don't remember, is serving a three to ten year prison term in Pennsylvania after he was convicted in 2018 on three felony counts of drugging and molesting a woman in 2004. So Bill Cosby, not a good guy. And it doesn't, it doesn't make me happy to say that because growing up, like a lot of us, I had Bill Cosby albums. I watched The Cosby Show. I thought Bill Cosby was hilarious. Little did I know that Bill Cosby was, in fact, a deviant and a criminal. Well, if you remember, now, people of a certain age, and maybe you're in that age, Kyle, and I I hate to keep beating this drum, but Eddie Murphy's been out of the picture for a long time. 35 years ago, when he was on Saturday Night Live, he was the king. Then when he left Saturday Night Live, his stand-up specials, Raw and Delirious, you couldn't go anywhere without people talking about them, and he had movies and all this. And in one of his specials, and I, I can't remember if it was Raw or Delirious, he talked about Bill Cosby calling him up and chastising him for swearing during his show. Well, the other night he made a joke during his monologue. He was talking about his um, his new baby, which is his 10th child. Eddie really needs to take some side projects. But uh, that's a whole other that's a whole other note. Ten children, I can't even with Eddie Murphy money, that seems untenable. But God bless him. He's got ten kids. So he's telling this story, talking about his kid, and he said, If you would have quote, if you would have told me thirty years ago that I would be this boring stay at home dad and Bill Cosby would be in jail, even I would have took that bet. And then he does his Bill Cosby impression saying, Who's America's dad now? Which fair game. Funny. 
And it's true, especially with the history of Bill Cosby chastising him. Well, holy cow. Uh, Bill Cosby's publicist, Andrew Wyatt, who has obviously sold his soul for money to stay on Bill Cosby's payroll, uh, went to Instagram, which is where all good beefs get settled. It's not on the street anymore, Kyle, like we used to do in the big rap wars, the East and West Coast rap, rap wars. Now we go to Instagram to settle our beefs. And uh, he went after Eddie Murphy, and he basically uh, said he was a slave and that he was back. He was a Hollywood slave and that he was uh, step and fetch it and all of this because he made fun of Bill Cosby and that they should sit down and talk about how they can bridge the racial gap. But I'm like, Eddie Murphy doesn't have to sit down with you, publicist for a man who's in prison for molesting a woman. That uh, that doesn't quite seem right. But how much money would it take for you to sell your soul like that? If somebody you, not even a best friend, like a best friend you're going to try to stick with. I think my line for best friend was he's convicted of molesting a woman. That Even then, I got to cut bait. But if I'm an employee of somebody, like, who knows? Say random corporate executive here at Radio City. They're paying me to be here. It's no secret. You people are probably thinking too much. I would agree. However, just because they're paying me, if they are convicted of some horrible crime, I'm not going to keep standing behind them and calling other people out if they make fun of them. Because one, the joke was funny. There are no, no two ways about it. And two, it's based in fact. So I think, uh, and, uh, listen, let's be honest. If you're Bill Cosby's publicist, your work has dried up. So you're trying to, you're trying to make a rep for yourself. You're trying to get out in front of people. So Andrew Wyatt is, is sort of, hey, look, look how, if you think I work hard for Bill Cosby and he's in jail, just think how great I'd work for you when you're out running around free. I'd do all kinds of stuff for you. So another case of somebody just needing to shut up. Am I airing too many grievances right now? Is that my problem? You know why? We'll tell you after this. 620 WTMJ. It's December 23rd, two days until Christmas, but there is another holiday that is sweeping the nation today. Today is Festivus, a festival for the rest of us. Uh, you may have heard of this, of course, from the famous Seinfeld episode. Uh, it has been around for a while before that. It began in the household of Dan O'Keefe, who is a television writer. He actually then went on to be the writer of that episode of Seinfeld. So uh, if you don't know what Festivus is and you don't have an aluminum pole at the house, there's still time to go out and get ready for Festivus. L let's hear from the source. I haven't celebrated Festivus in years. What is your interest? What? Just tell me everything, huh? Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. That must have been some kind of doll. She was. <laughs> and at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. It requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. 
Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. <laughs> the tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're gonna hear about it. You, Kruger, my son tells me your company stinks. Oh, God. What? We'll get yours in a minute. Kruger, you couldn't smooth a silk sheet if you had a hot date with a babe. I lost my train of thought. And now, as Festivus rolls on, we come to the feats of strength. Not the feats of strength. <laughs> Until you pin me, George, Festivus is not over. Oh, please, somebody stop this. Let's rumble! I think you can take him, Georgie. Come on, be sensible. Stop crying and fight your father. Ow! Ow, I got This is the best Festivus ever! Stop crying and fight your father. How many times have we heard that around the table? Anybody? No? Okay. Uh, yes, it is Festivus. The airing of grievances. The problem with Festivus is, at my house, the airing of grievances happens pretty much every day. So I don't know if I need to save some up for a big Festivus reveal, or if I can rehash some of the grievances that I've had or have been directed at me, if they can be rehashed and brought back on Festivus. Uh, Kyle, what, what's your judgment on that? Can we reuse some of our grievances, or do they have to be fresh Festivus grievances? Uh, a little bit of both. You're always going to rehash something. Okay, that makes sense. And there's always, there's always something new because another day has dawned, so there's going to be another way that your family members have disappointed you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty secure in the feats of strength at my house now um even even if it were even if my brothers were all in attendance we're gonna go down to the wire so i'm pretty good about and even well i was gonna say in this room too but i don't know between you and tony i i'm not gonna we're, we're gonna skip the feats of strength because bedock is over there he's flexing it up he's you know like it's a gun show over there he's you know he's all set he's all muscling up for the news and he's gonna have a few grievances to to air as well uh now on the other side we're going to get more into the holiday spirit. Because if you're like my family, and I'm sure some of you are, you've been watching some holiday movies, holiday TV shows, uh, there's a school of thought that there's nothing good in that realm that has happened recently. That all the best holiday movies and TV are old. So we will debate that. I'll take your suggestions. If you think there are some good new ones... Convince me. I'm like the guy at the card table. Change my mind. We'll do that on the other side. 620 WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner is not here for the rest of the year. Wow, that sounds that sounds ominous. I'm Brian Noonan. I will be in for Jeff during the holidays, and he will be back. Uh, he'll be back after what the first? Is he coming back on the first? Yes, he'll be back the first day of 2020. So glad to be with you. Sometime this hour, I'm going to give a caller a very, very a wonderful treat: the grand prize of the 12 days of Sticksmiths. I'm going to give somebody a free team of two entry into the Winter Golf League. That's valued at $450. How will I do that? Well, I'm going to give it to some caller. You don't know who you are. 
we'll be talking about something, and then sooner or later, I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to give you the prize. So it's happening before three o'clock. It is the holiday season. Are there any good holiday movies or TV shows that have come out in the last I don't know, let's just say five years, four years? Any any recent ones? Because if you think about the holiday movies that are your favorites. Are they mostly old? Are they newer? Now, I mentioned one of my favorites earlier. I said it was Bad Santa. Now, that came out, that's been out for, I don't know, seven, eight years. It's been out for a while. I would say that and Elf are the only recent holiday movies that I would say stand up to the classic tale. You know, something that you would watch every year. Because I know in our house, most of our favorites are older. My wife's favorite, hands down, Christmas Vacation. She would watch that. I think she would watch it every day, and that's not an exaggeration. She watches it, you know, she'll watch it on DVD. But if she's working around the house and it's on AMC or whatever, something with commercials, she'll leave it on then too. And I'm like, how can you watch that with commercials? Well, I'm just listening to it. I love it. But that goes back. You know, that's an older one. Then, of course... There's a big debate in our house over Miracle on 34th Street. I like the original. My daughter, who is 23, enjoys the one with uh, Elizabeth Perkins and a Dylan, one of the Dylans. Is it Mulroot? No, McDermott. Dylan McDermott and Elizabeth Perkins. That's my daughter's favorite Miracle on 34th Street. But other than that, there's not too many new ones. Uh, there's an interesting piece in C- on CNN that uh, was talking about this and people, you know, a lot of times this is what spurred the OK Boomer movement is that you hear people saying, well, there's nothing good anymore. But when it comes to holiday specials, that might not be an OK Boomer moment. It may be factual. I will say this, though. There is a new a movie came out last year on Netflix, which I don't know if you've gone through Netflix or uh, Amazon Prime or Hulu or any of these streaming stations, uh, channels, and looked at the holiday movies, it seems that anybody can get a holiday movie made. If you put Christmas in the title, it doesn't matter how flimsy the story is, they're going to make this movie. The other night, I must have spent 10 minutes scrolling through on Amazon Prime through all their holiday movies, and I recognized two titles. These make Hallmark movies look like Academy Award-winning motion pictures. I read some of the descriptions, and it was like, uh, what? Well, somebody uh, was living in the big city and then had to go home, uh, and the hardware store was going to be closing, but you know, her ex actually still worked at the hardware store, and then they got snowed in, and things went crazy. Or, you know, there was a... (laughs) This was my best one, my favorite. I don't remember the title of the movie, but honest to God, this was a synopsis. Three cosplay women inadvertently unleash Krampus and help Santa track him down and save Christmas. My hand to God, that is the exact synopsis of this movie. Part of me wanted to watch that movie just to see, one, how cosplay women were unleashing Krampus. And two, how Santa was going to do battle with him with their help. I realized at that point I probably needed something better to do, so I moved on.
But, you know, the holidays are young. And I may, <laughs> you know, there might be a point where it's just time to, uh, time to buckle down. But there was, there was one new one that came out last year called The Christmas Chronicles on Netflix. And it stars Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. And it was actually pretty good to the point where I watched it last year. And as I was decorating the tree this year, I had it on again. So, okay, now we've watched it two years in a row. Could be a new tradition. But some of the, some of the um, specials that they called on in this article... Like the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which came out in 1964. Um, A lot of the movies that people watch came out in the 40s, you know? Uh, Scrooge with Albert Finney came out in 1970. Charlie Brown Christmas came out in the 60s. All of these ones that we think of, 1966, the original Grinch, which is the only Grinch, really. I know you're going to argue with me. What about the Jim Carrey Grinch? I say take a nap because you're obviously delirious. That was the most uh, annoying. And then they came out last year. There was some cartoon Grinch that came out, and it looked like someone had just painted it with watercolors. I I didn't watch it. I saw the trailer, and I thought, this is not for me. I will always go back to Boris Karloff. That's the, uh, that's, that's the only Grinch. But I want to know, if is there something current that you have added to your family's holiday tradition, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV special, what's what's your go-to? So convince me, convince me. There's some new ones that uh, that should we should be watching, and then tell me your favorite. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, there was there's another one that we watch. Uh, and I'll share it with you. It involves a penguin who loses his butt all the time. Uh, that's yes. That's that's what I w- I know. See, there's there's the tease guy. Like what? A Christmas special where a penguin loses his butt? This sounds like something we need to watch with the family tonight. Perhaps you will. We'll t- <laughs> we'll talk all about that after this. Six twenty WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, Brian, in for Jeff. We're talking about Christmas movies and TV specials and how, other than one or two, our favorites seem to be very old. Are we just, were we better at making Christmas specials back in the day? Now our Christmas movies involve cosplay girls, Krampus, and some sort of vendetta by Santa. But back in the day, we had Miracle on 34th Street. We had a Christmas carol. We had all these fine things. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, if you have a new Christmas movie or special that you want to turn us on to, please do. And if you want to share your favorites, you can do that as well. Tony does. He is in Milwaukee. Hi, Tony. Hi, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and your crew, too. Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, you know, there aren't any good new ones. I... When I watch Christmas Vacation and White Christmas, that's all I need. Those are just incredible movies. Those are the ones for you? Yes, sir. Very nice. I <laughs> I like them, too. I, you know, like I said, there was the one new one that I uh, that I enjoyed, but uh, I'm going to stick with uh, I'm going to stick with some of the old ones. Tony, Merry Christmas. Thanks for the call. You too. Thank Take you. Bye bye. Uh, all right. Now, I t- I teased that I was going to share with you a Christmas special 
that we watch at home, you may you may think we're a tad bit twisted. I've already mentioned that Bad Santa is one of my favorites. But there is a, a TV short. It's a cartoon. It's Opus and Bill. I don't know if you remember the uh, comic strip Opus and Bill. Opus was a cat uh, who looks like he was always coughing up a hairball, very skinny. Could have been a heroin addict. I'm not sure about uh, I'm not Opus. Or Opus was the penguin and Bill was the cat. So it's called A Wish for Dream for Wings That Work. A Wish for Wings That Work. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. You can look it up. It's funny. And, uh, you know, Bill's always having a little trouble with his uh, back parts. They tend to uh, tend to drop off, which, you know, when our, our daughter was little and she'd watch it, she laughed and laughed. And because I'm a child in a lot of ways, I laughed and laughed. And so that was uh, <laughs> that was the way it uh, it went with her. So... There's there's my recommendation. Now that came that's from 1991 though. That's still that's still pretty old. The wish for wings at work. Uh, getting your favorites on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line eight five five six one six one six twenty. Meg is in Milwaukee. Hi Meg. Hi. How are you? I'm well. So you have a new one for me? Yes. Um, it's called Noel. Okay. And um, it was just put out on Disney Plus. So it just came out. Um, it has Anna Kendrick and Josh Hader, and it uh-huh. talks about the family line of Santa. And um, it is it's rated G, so anyone can watch it. Watch it, and um, it is just fun. It's funny. It's cute. Um, it you don't get that hokey like they're trying to put together <laughs> a silly like you know Christmas movie. It's okay. natural and it's fun. And I would definitely recommend it. I'm 35, and I loved it. I would have my seven-year-old niece watch it. And I recommended it to my parents as well. Wow. Well, Meg, listen. Because you came through with such a strong feeling, and you were dedicated to your call, you were going to stand by your point, I am going to give you the big prize for the 12 Days of Sticks. Oh, wow. What do you think of that? That's fantastic. Well, that's very good. I'm very excited to be able to give it to you. Again, it is a... Grand prize, the grand prize, a major award. It's a free team for oh, two cow. entry into the Winter Golf League at Sticks. Uh, it's valued at four hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, that's that, that's that's great. Do you know any golfers, uh, Meg? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, My husband and I. Oh, uh, you guys are going to have a ball. Than I am, but you. Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't matter. You can do all the all the great things at Sticks. Hang on, uh, I'm going to let Kyle take all your information. Merry Christmas, enjoy your prize, and uh, do me a favor do the do the simulator where you break the windows, and then let me know how that goes. <laughs> that's, that's that sounds no, like I a lot of fun. I want to hit the guy in the cart. <laughs> all right, either one, either one sounds socially uh, unacceptable, and I love both of those. So, Meg, Merry Christmas, congratulations! You are the big grand prize winner on the 12 Days of Sticksmiths. All right. Well, make sure you watch Noel. I will watch Noel on Disney Plus. Thank you very much. You got her, Kyle. All right, Kyle's got her. This is very exciting. We gave away the uh, we gave away the the big prize. All right, let me do this, and then when we come back, we'll take some more of your calls and texts. We're talking about are there any new holiday films or TV shows that are destined to be classics? Now, uh, Meg said it is Noel. We will see if that is the case. We'll do that and get your favorites at 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Were we just better at making Christmas movies and TV shows 10, 15, 40 years ago? There's not too many good new ones, are there? Maybe you have a new one that you like, or... 
are your favorites, old ones. You can even when we finish talking uh, talking about this, feel free to keep texting them in because I'm learning about some uh, some movies and TV shows that I didn't know about. Like uh, Meg said, Noel, which I'll have to try to watch. Uh, let's see. We've got a lot of texts coming in at eight five five six one six one six twenty, the Econet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Santa Claus is a favorite in our family, but that's not really new. No, that's true. Uh, I mentioned that Jeff wasn't here the rest of the year. I guess Jeff has been saying that he's off for the rest of the decade, which makes it sound, you know, if you don't think about it, you're like, what? Why? It's only a few more days. Jeff will be back on the first. Um, our go-to is very old. Rich Little's A Christmas Carol. Oh, my God. I didn't even know Rich Little had starred in A Christmas Carol. There's a million of those. I'm also going to put out Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which is having its 40th anniversary this year. All right. That's from Jeff. Um, from the 203, how about The Family Man with Nicolas Cage and Tia Leone? I've seen it. That Again, That's that's got to be late 80s, early 90s. So that's an older one. And uh, Mark from Bristol, funny you mentioned Bad Santa. That's my holiday tradition. My family will not participate in either. <laughs> this year, uh, the tradition gets longer. Yes, there's, there's nothing wrong with having an individual Christmas tradition. Uh, Barb's in Wauwatosa. Hi, Barb. Hi. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. I Yeah, I would have said uh, Die Hard was my favorite Christmas movie, <laughs> but last year... <laughs> Last year on Netflix, The Christmas Chronicles came out. Yes. And with Kurt Russell. And I had my 27 year old son watch it with me the other night. And he said, Wow, this is my new favorite Christmas movie. Very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell has a gorgeous beard. Uh, it's a great little story. Santa loses his magical hat and has to, uh, two little kids help him. Or does he, uh, Bob? Find it. Or does he? Mm, exactly. Yes. Let's and you even get a little uh, Christmas Elvis kind of singing from Santa in prison. So. Yes. No, I very, thought it, I thought it was really good, and I think Kurt Russell did a terrific job embodying Santa. There's a great surprise at the end, which I think people will enjoy. So right, there's a lot right. uh, there's a lot very going good. on with it, and it's something. It's not just for little kids. It's for uh, again adults, everybody. So that was that's for everybody. That's a yeah. good one. Well, Barb, thank you for the okay. call. And now, uh, see, Barb Barb opened a can of worms. The Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie or not? Now, you're shaking your head no, Kyle. I tend to agree with you. I don't believe it is. Just because it happens around Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Just because there's a tree in there doesn't mean it's a Christmas movie. And this started at home the other night. Somebody, my daughter said something about it. She's home for the holidays. Said something about uh, watching Die Hard for Christmas. And I was like... It's not a Christmas movie. Yes, it is. No, it's not. But this, listen, you can do an hour and a half. People just debating the fact. I don't think any, there was another one that we we were going to watch, and uh, it had a Christmas tree in it. Oh, I, I forgot. Home Alone she was watching. Now, that's that's a movie that happens at Christmas time, but is it a Christmas movie? I would have to say No. It's a bad parenting movie. It's a cautionary tale, but it's not a Christmas movie. There is a Christmas message from the old man, so there there are Christmas themes throughout it, but I don't believe it to be a Christmas movie. Hallelujah. There you go. Look at Men of like mind. Great minds think alike. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. No, sir. Jeff Wagner, gone till 2020. By his own choice. He's taking time off. It's the holidays. 
Brian Noonan with you until three o'clock. I'll be with you. Uh, I'll be with you till the end of the decade. Tomorrow, though, during this uh, time slot, they will be replaying the WTMJ Christmas Show, which will be a lot of fun. So you'll be able to hear that. And of course, coming up at three an hour of Wisconsin's afternoon news in advance of the Packers game. So a lot, a lot going on. Some changes. It's the holidays. Things are always a little bit, uh, a little bit screwy, but. We try to keep traditions alive, which is what Christmas is all about, what the holidays are about. Hanukkah, all the holidays have tradition, and some traditions date back years and years and years. Now, this is um, this is something that uh, that I enjoyed hearing about when I was a child, and it's uh, it's grown for us and our family. We, we listen to this every year. It's a short thing, but I ran this by Kyle. I said, "Will you will you pull this piece of audio?" And he looked at me, uh, how would you describe your, your look? It was a, a stare of complete dismay. <laughs> I don't know about dismay. I just had no idea what, what you were talking about. But you were talking so confidently, like, oh, he absolutely knows what, what I'm talking well, about. Well, yeah, I, see, and that's, that just goes to show we should never just assume that people, people are uh, of the same mind as us. Now, you're a very intelligent man, but... Uh, but this had never crossed your radar before because originally it was it first happened in 1897 when i was in kindergarten so it's been it's been around a while which which is another reason i think a lot of people have heard of it because it's been around forever what i'm talking about is yes virginia there is a santa claus so the history on this Kyle is back on uh, september 21st 1897, the New York Sun, which is no longer in existence, it's a newspaper. We had, you know, they have those. It was a newspaper. Um, an eight-year-old girl, Virginia O'Hanlon, wrote a letter to the editor. Uh, and then the editor saw this, and he printed it as an unsigned editorial. It was Francis Farcellus Church was the uh, veteran newsman. He has since become history's most reprinted newspaper editorial, this one that we're going to play for you. So history, this history of reprinted editorials, Kyle. This, this, I'm very excited that I get to share this with you um, because right now there's, there's people going, oh, yeah, I, I kind of remember this. So it's become this thing that has been reprinted for years and years and years, appearing in part or whole in dozens of languages and books, movies, other editorials, on posters, stamps, in the vernacular. It's all of that, and it's a little Christmas tradition that um, the, uh, that I wanted to share with you uh, two days before Christmas. So without any further ado, or me uh, making Kyle seem too young and me seem too old, this is Yes, Virginia, There is a Santa Claus. Dear Editor, I am eight years old. Some of my little friends say that there is no Santa Claus. Papa says if you see it in the sun, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? Virginia O'Hanlon, 115 West 95th Street. Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They've been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe except what they see. They think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, are little. In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant in his intellect, as compared with the boundless world around him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole of truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. 
Alas, how dreary would the world be if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus. You might as well not believe in fairies. You might get your papa to hire men to watch over all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus, but even if they did not see Santa Claus coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus, but that is no sign that there is no Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not. But that's no proof they're not there. Nobody can conceive or imagine all the wonders that are unseen and unseeable in the world. You may tear apart the baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside, but there is a veil covering the unseen world, which not the strongest man, nor even the united strength of all the strongest men that ever lived, could tear apart. Only faith, fancy, poetry, love, romance can push aside that curtain and view and picture the supernal beauty and glory beyond. Is it all real? Ah, Virginia, in all this world, there is nothing else real and abiding. No Santa Claus. Thank God he lives, and he lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia, nay, ten thousand years from now, he will continue to make glad the heart of childhood. So there you go, Kyle. That was very nice. Thank you. I'd say I I didn't write it. We uh, we give all credit to Francis Farcellus Church, who wrote that in 1897. And uh, for all for all you parents whose kids are, you know, starting to quit, they go to school and they hear they get a lot of disinformation. If I may use the term fake news from other kids, uh, read this to them, have them read it themselves, or uh, or listen to it, and uh, you know that should answer all the questions. And full. Uh, Full disclosure: the the little girl who read it at the beginning that was my daughter, so she read that back uh, back in the day when she was a little bit younger than she is now. And Renee texts in on the uh, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I read that every year at our Christmas gathering. I love it. So see, and now I feel if if nothing else I've said today has caused people to learn something or open their eyes a little bit, at least I have exposed you, Kyle, to something new for the uh, for the holidays. So my work is done here. No, I think I have 16 more minutes. All right, but it's done for right now, at least on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We were talking about holiday movies and uh, TV shows in the last half hour. People have still been texting in. This is one I have not heard of before. I'm going to have to check this out. Patrick uh, texted this in. He said, uh, How Murray Saved Christmas from 2014. It's one of his new favorites. It's an animated special about a deli owner who has to fill in for Santa. It's quirky and fun. Sounds right up my alley. Quirky and fun. So How Murray Saved Christmas. I have to, uh, I have to remember to look that up. Uh, Best Christmas Carol is with George C. Scott. Also a white Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Scrooge with Bill Murray. I like that one. That's a good one. Family Stone. 
That's from Mike. All right, then we got into the debate. Now, Kyle and I took the stance that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Uh, somebody from the 414, all caps, cap locked it in, three exclamation points, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And then immediately from the 262, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Sound of Music is a war movie. So there you go. That's, and that's how, that's how that debate keeps going. Because it's just, it's fun. It's fun to debate it. Now, I know one of the writers or one of the producers has come out on record and said that, yes, it is a Christmas movie. Uh, I disagree. But we'll leave it there. Do you judge people when they swear? You're probably judging them inaccurately. I enjoy profanity. I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, I try not to swear here. Whenever there's a microphone in the room, the profanity goes away. Because you never know... Uh, there's an old saying, There's the microphone is never really off, so you never know. But I do enjoy swearing, despite the fact that when I was a freshman in high school, this is, not much has stayed with me since high school, to be honest with you, uh, except for one thing that my freshman English teacher said. My father was Nevsky. He was about three and a half feet tall and about four and a half feet wide. He was a small man, and he said, profanity is the linguistic crutch of the ignorant. I always thought he was mistaken on that. There was a lot that Father Wisniewski was uh, was very knowledgeable about. His take on profanity, I didn't go for it. And now I know why. A new study is saying that people who swear are more honest and more authentic. What do you think of that? GD Wright it does. Swearing is considered poor, poor form in certain settings. Sure, you can't swear uh, at church. For the most part, you ever sworn at church? I did once. I did once. It was Christmas Eve. We were, which sounds, which makes the story even worse. That I swore in church on Christmas Eve. What? I don't. I don't know. Would Easter have been even worse? I don't think so. But here's the story. So, Christmas Eve Mass. When we were living in California, there was only one church, Catholic church, anywhere near where we lived. So it was very, very crowded. On Christmas and Easter, as you, if you are Catholic, you know that's part of the deal. The priesters come out of the woodwork, and and that's fine. Everybody's welcome. But the point is, the place is packed. My daughter was in kindergarten, very small, uh, and they in the back of the church. Instead of breaking everything down, they had some like uh, card tables, you know, the long six foot tables along the back wall. And we were sitting there, and we had put my daughter up on it so she could sit and watch. Now, there was a family of people uh, that were there, and mm, let's just say they weren't really paying attention. One of the teenagers was wearing a hat in church on Christmas Eve. Not a good look, ever. But they were messing around a little bit, and they knocked the table and not, almost knocked my daughter off. And as she's falling, I reach out, I grabbed her, and I may have, uh, I may have taken the Lord's name in vain with a little, uh, little relish thrown on there just loud enough so they could hear my wife could hear and the people standing right around us could hear and as you can imagine that went over very well that was was you know the only christmas miracle the fact that i was not murdered that night by my wife in my sleep anyway consistent findings across studies suggest that there is a positive relation between profanity and honesty and that the relationship found at the individual level indeed translates to the society level. 
includes concludes this paper set to be published in the Journal of Psychological and Personal Science. That's right. So, on one hand, using profanity is taboo, and people who do so are more inclined to break other social norms. By <laughs> swearing at church. So, swearing has been associated with moral turpitude. But that's not that's not always right. On the other hand, blurting curses is positively associated with authenticity in certain situations. For example, people accused of crimes who are actually innocent are more inclined to swear during interrogations than those who are guilty and denying their crime. Do you weave a tapestry of obscenities, Kyle? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Sure, when you found out you had to work with me for a bunch of days, I can only imagine the litany of cursing that came out of your mouth hole. Um, But I, I... so this is good. So in an effort to settle the debate, researchers first study individual profanity by asking 276 individuals to report how commonly they curse. Then they had to list their favorite swear words. Oh, I have a couple of favorites. You know, because they start coming out the minute my eyes open. They start coming out. Few choice. Perfect. Everybody's got their favorite. Don't text me yours because <laughs> I don't want Eric looking at the text screen during the Wisconsin's Afternoon News and go, oh, my Lord, what, what was Newton doing on there? That would not, uh, uh, but so, and then explain what emotions they associate with swearing, like anger, embarrassment, or anxiety. Then these individuals were asked about their honesty in a rather roundabout way, uh, and they were surveyed about their reliability, among other things, using a version of a personality questionnaire. Then they analyzed a bunch of social media interactions between the uh, international participants and looked for the presence of profanity. In Connecticut and New Jersey, individuals swore frequently, but their states also scored highest on the integrity analysis. So there you go. So if if someone is swearing around you, it doesn't mean that they're, you know, morally bereft. It means they're honest. Because think about it. If you hit your hand with a hammer and you swear, that is probably the most honest reaction you are going to have. So I wouldn't I would never suggest that someone uh follow my lead and swear in church. But again, according to science, profanity and honesty were found to be significantly and positively correlated, indicating that those who use more profanity were more honest. So there you go. If you're at Christmas dinner and uh, somebody says something and you decide to drop an F-bomb, you're just being honest. Don't let your mom tell you any different. You are just being honest. All right, let's do this. Then we'll find out what is coming up on a truncated version of Wisconsin's Afternoon News. We'll do all that after this at 620 WTMJ.